Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. spooktacular people welcome to this 398th episode of the history ghost bump podcast ghost tours for the theater of the mind i'm your host diane and this is kelly kelly on this episode we have a location that was suggested by and we got research assistance from one of our executive producers and listeners jules slosher and that is fort mcclellan awesome and thank you so much for that assistance and one of the reasons why she suggested this location is because they actually lived on the base. So we have some of her experiences to share. Oh, wow. Very cool. Before we get into that, we want to welcome into the Spooktacular crew, Melissa, Asia, Nancy, Carrie, who spells her name K-A-R-I, Emma, Emily, and Courtney with no U. Thank you for joining us in the Spooktacular crew. And now this moment, Noddity. The Cave of the Crystals is also known as Giant Crystal Cave and is located in Naca, Chihuahua, Mexico. This is connected to the Naca mine there and is a chamber of limestone with giant selenite crystals jutting out in all directions. And when we say giant, we mean giant. The largest one has been measured to a length of over 37 feet. These crystals were formed because there's an underground magma chamber below the cave that heated water full of sulfide ions, then mixed with cooled oxygenated water. Gypsum crystals formed, and then the temperature in the cave dropped. And over 500,000 years, these crystals grew. The cave is a fairly recent discovery. Two brothers, Pedro and Juan Sanchez, discovered it in April of 2000 when they were drilling in the mine. The cave has been hard to explore because it is intensely hot in the chamber. Scientists designed their own exploration suits with reservoirs of cold water and ice that gave them about 30 minutes at a time of exploration. They explored the cave in detail in 2006. The cave was reflooded in 2015 and can no longer be explored. But the crystals might grow more because the water is rich in the minerals needed to do that. A cave full of giant crystals certainly is odd. This is Victoria from victoriaslift.com. When I'm not taking those who must choose their destiny for a ride on the lift, I'm listening to History Goes Bump podcast. History isn't boring, it's terrifying. The past remains with us, and so do its spirits. 
Can you hear them calling? They want you to know their stories. Listen now to their voices and the truth from the past. And now, this month in history. month of August, on the 10th in 1977, David Berkowitz, also known as the Son of Sam, was arrested. Berkowitz had terrorized the people of New York City for over a year, starting on Christmas Eve in 1975, when he nearly stabbed to death a 15-year-old girl named Michelle Foreman. He continued to fall deeper into paranoid schizophrenia and claimed that his neighbor's German Shepherd was talking to him, as were other neighborhood dogs. Berkowitz was convinced the dogs were possessed by demons, as were his neighbors. The dogs ordered him to kill attractive young women. He moved to a new apartment with a neighbor named Sam Carr, who had a black Labrador that also told Berkowitz to kill. When Berkowitz started referring to himself as the son of Sam, he was referring to Sam Carr. His killing rampage left six people dead and seven others wounded. He pleaded guilty to eight shootings and was sentenced to six life sentences, which he continues to serve at Shawagunk Correctional Facility. Berkowitz later claimed that he was part of a violent satanic cult and that he'd been helped with some of the murders, which were rituals. No evidence of this was ever proven, and Berkowitz now claims to be a Christian. Fort McClellan is located in Anniston, Alabama, at the foothills of the magical Appalachian Mountains. We've always found these mountains to harbor a supernatural energy, and that seems to be the case here at the fort, which closed in 1999. The fort had a strong presence during World War II, training half a million troops and was home to the Women's Army Corps. Several people have died on the former base, including several foreign prisoners of war who are buried on the property. And ghost stories abound. Join us as we explore the history and hauntings of Fort McClellan. Anniston was originally founded as a company town for the Woodstock Iron Company in 1872. This area had many advantages for manufacturing with endless supplies of coal and timber and railroad lines branching out in all directions. Furnace No. 1 was started in 1873, rising 43 feet high. Furnace No. 2 was completed in 1879, with Furnace No. 3 and 4 being added quickly thereafter. The brown hematite woodstock ore produced were considered the best and strongest iron for all purposes made in the South. By 1883, Woodstock was renamed Anniston and opened to the public and grew to a population of 10,000. The Spanish-American War ended in 1898, but there were concerns that hostilities would erupt once again, and the government felt they needed a military reserve force in Alabama. Because of its great location, Anniston was chosen to establish Camp Ship. Camp Ship was named in honor of Lieutenant William E. Ship, who had bravely led his troops in a charge in the Battle of San Juan Hill and was killed during the skirmish. An artillery range was placed on the nearby Blue Mountain, and 10,000 troops of the 3rd Alabama Volunteer Infantry were stationed here by October 1898. An influenza epidemic turned parts of Camp Ship into a makeshift hospital for a time. 
there was no action for the camp, and by March of 1899, the post was phased out. And that was it for a decade. The Chacalaco mountain range of the Appalachians was such a great area for training, though, that in 1912, Alabama's 3rd District Congressman, Henry D. Clayton Jr., petitioned the Department of War to set up a new military training facility in Anniston. As a trial run, 20,000 National Guardsmen were sent for artillery training. The government was so pleased with the results that they purchased 18,952 acres in March of 1917. And it was perfect timing because America would declare war on Germany on April 6, 1917. Camp McClellan was officially established on July 18, 1917, and named in honor of Major General George B. McClellan, General-in-Chief of the Union Army from 1861 to 1862. The duty of the base was to quickly get men ready to fight in World War I. For this reason, all the early buildings were constructed from wood, and rows of wooden-floored tents were used to house the troops. This hasty building didn't mean that few buildings were erected. Quite the opposite. There were 1,500 buildings, with 118 of them alone reserved for the base hospital. Can you imagine erecting that much stuff in that short period of time? No, I'm wondering about the quality of the construction. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't want a hurricane to blow through there, let me put it that way. A terminal piece of the railroad was extended right into the camp. Men arrived from Virginia, Maryland, New Jersey, Delaware, and Washington, D.C., These men would become the 29th Infantry Division, commanded by Major General Charles G. Morton, and they would fight in France. On a side note about the 29th Infantry Division, they would be part of the first Allied assault on Normandy on D-Day during World War II, and would be one of the 36 divisions recognized as liberating units because they liberated Nazi concentration camps. And Fort McClellan is where they were created. I thought that was a fun little side note. You know how I love those things. There were other troops here as well, including the 157th Depot Brigade and the 11th and 12th Training Battalions, the 6th Division, the 1st, 2nd, and 3rd Development Regiments, and the 1st Separate Negro Company of Maryland. This latter group would later be absorbed into the 372nd Infantry Regiment and fight in the Champagne region of France during World War I. This was a black regiment with white officers. The unit was extremely well decorated. Urbane F. Bass was their black medical officer, who was killed in action on October 6, 1918, and received the Distinguished Service Cross. After the war, most mobilization camps, like Camp McClellan, were closed, but it managed to make it onto the caretaker's status list. This led to Congress approving funds to update the buildings at the camp in 1926, and these structures included barracks, a headquarters, officer quarters, and a central hospital. On July 1, 1929, the post was officially designated as Fort McClellan, and it would become permanent. In 1933, more funds were allocated, and the Fort McClellan Army Airfield was built, along with a radio facility featuring the call letters WUR. And this mostly was used for Morse code communications. Additional buildings were added, and these featured Spanish colonial revival architecture. Troops that trained here were the Alabama Army National Guard, the Army's Reserve Officer Training Corps, the Army 22nd Infantry Regiment, and District D of the Civilian Conservation Corps. This group was known as the CCC, and it was a voluntary public work relief program for the unemployed during the Great Depression. It was advertised as, quote, a young man's opportunity for work, play, study, and health. This was a key part of Roosevelt's New Deal. Towards the end of 1940, the 27th Infantry Division of the New York National Guard was activated and sent to Fort McClellan. A year later, these men would be deployed to the Pacific Theater of Operations because America had entered World War II. The new war prompted more construction at the base, and any remaining buildings from the previous war were upgraded. 
The base also acquired more land, buying part of the Talladega National Forest and growing to over 42,000 acres. Fort McClellan was now able to house up to 50,000 troops. Hundreds of hutments were set up for those troops, and as creature comforts, five theaters and an amphitheater were built. A firing range for mortars, artillery, and tanks was set up and called Morrisville Maneuvering Area. That name was later changed to Pelham Range to honor a local hero named John Pelham from the American Civil War. During World War II, 500,000 men were trained here, and the basic training included handling live artillery fire, fighting from foxholes, and hiding from tanks. Fort McClellan became unique among bases as it welcomed two detachments of the Women's Army Corps, also known as WAC, or WAC. And they also trained special black troops that were sent to fight in Italy. Yeah, so I kind of like that about Fort McClellan. It was kind of on the edge of... On the cusp. Yeah. (laughs) Getting into integration and not segregation and bringing everybody together. Fort McClellan had another designation during World War II, and that was Prisoner of War Camp. This part of the base was built in 1943 and could house 3,000 prisoners. Kelly, unlike previous wars that, you know, the prisoner of war camps, especially when we're talking about the Civil War, these were horrible places. You didn't want to be there. There wasn't anywhere to sleep. You were lucky if you had a bed. Sure. You were lucky if you got anything but the very basic rations. This was definitely an upgrade. The prison internment camp here was really quite nice. The 1929 Geneva Conventions laid out rules for prisoners of war. There were plenty of provisions and there was lots of recreation. One German prisoner found the prison so comfortable that he wrote home and described Fort McClellan as a, quote, golden cage. Oh, my goodness. That's how nice it was. And as hard as it may be to believe, the nearby residents were having to ration food, so they began to resent how good the prisoners had it at the base. Oh, wow. Kind of like the summer camp over there. <laughs> exactly. They're looking over there going, they're having barbecues and stuff, and we, don't, we can't even get any meat. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> there were prisoners who made a run for it, however, and did attempt to escape, and they were killed. There's a cemetery here for the dead prisoners that includes three Italians and 26 Germans. Fort McClellan had 2,546 prisoners in total. When the war was over, Fort McClellan trained occupation forces and then became a recruit training center. By 1947, the base was moved to inactive status with just a small group left behind to maintain everything. A new war, the Korean War, would breathe new life into Fort McClellan and it was once again used for National Guard training. More funds brought more restoration, and Brigadier General Theodore R. Wessels became the commander and was nicknamed the father of the new Fort McClellan. A chemical corps would be formed and trained here. The training was made up of basic training for eight weeks and then eight weeks of chemical warfare training. Operation Top Hat was started in 1953, and the highly secretive operation tested nerve agents, biological warfare, and sulfur mustard gas. The Chemical Corps name would change in the 1960s and be expanded with the U.S. Army Combat Development Command Chemical Biological Radiological Agency. That's a mouthful. (laughs) How many different names can we put in that title? Moving to Fort McClellan. One can imagine that having all this chemical stuff on the base would not be a good thing, and that would prove to be true when the base is closed. As a matter of fact, H.R. 3666 was introduced in Congress in 2017 and was called the Fort McClellan Health Registry Act. This was to register people exposed to chemical agents during their military service at Fort McClellan. So looking back here, they're getting all of this chemical core started back in the 1940s. And it isn't until 2017 that they finally are starting to recognize it and saying, let's get these people on a list and 
They have all kinds of websites now. If you are a veteran who served at Fort McClellan and worked with any of that stuff, where you can go and get registered on there and and get some extra help for you because you're probably starting to suffer some major health consequences from that. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. It's sad that it took that long. Well, you think if you're using this stuff in war, which I've always hated that you use that. I mean, if you're going to fight a war, let's keep it to the the bullets and the swords and that kind of thing. It just, to me, it's... uh, a horrible thing to bring all these chemicals and biological stuff into it. But if if this is something that could poison an entire town, what do you think it's doing to those of you who are testing it? Exactly. A military police corps was trained at the base in the 1970s. Around the same time, the WAC that had Fort McClellan as its beginning and home would officially be disestablished and its flag retired. The last director of the Women's Army Corps, General Mary E. Clark, became the first female commanding general to command any major U.S. Army installation And that was at Fort McClellan. So they really, I mean, they went with that whole whack thing. And now we have our first female commanding general. Very cool. Yeah. She was in charge from 1978 to 1980. So this was a very important place in women's history. During the Vietnam War, the base would again train men for war. This training would be deactivated in 1970. A small satellite academy for the Border Patrol would call the base home in the 1980s for a very brief time. The end for the base would come in 1995, when the Base Realignment and Closure Commission voted to permanently close Fort McClellan. The closing ceremony took place on May 20, 1999. Major General Ralph G. Wooten summed up Fort McClellan in a speech during that ceremony, saying, For more than 81 years, Fort McClellan set the standard of excellence in training, America's sons and daughters, to defend freedom in two world wars and a myriad of conflicts and operations. In the last generation, we were singularly responsible for providing our army with the world's finest military police and chemical soldiers. Our pride is justified by our spectacular success. The Alabama National Guard still trains at Fort McClellan. And the Center for Domestic Preparedness, headed by the Department of Homeland Security, is here. Something that started up in the 2000s was a huge cleanup project so that the base could be used for other purposes. This place is sometimes referred to as the most toxic place on the planet. It would take 11 years for that cleanup to be completed. Fort McClellan has over 900 residents, has become a workplace in industrial, retail, educational, and technological fields, and the Mountain Longleaf National Wildlife Refuge has been opened. An important part of Fort McClellan's history came in the form of a race riot. Although Fort McClellan has always been a smaller base and fairly peaceful, There was a moment in time in late 1971 when a race riot started here. It was the largest WAC base in the world at the time, and 20% of the WACs were black. Some of them were run down one evening by a white driver. They were not seriously injured, but major trouble followed. Tensions had already been building on base with a few racial disputes on both sides. A list of black grievances was submitted to the race relations officer and this was followed by a mob gathering on an athletic field. The group of blacks shouted down a white race relations officer, and a black major and MPs were brought in to break everything up, and 140 people were arrested. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Duncan. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. There have been deaths at the base. An article in the New York Times published on May 29, 1983, reported a horrible accident at the base. It reads, 
A tank resembling an oxygen container, but faintly labeled argon, a gas used in welding, was examined by investigators today after the deaths of two patients who breathed the gas at the Army Hospital here. Military officials confirmed early today that two patients died and a third lapsed into a coma Wednesday because the argon tank was connected to the main oxygen supply system at Noble Army Hospital on Fort McClellan in Anniston. Oh, my word. That is a huge mistake. Uh, yeah. I, I don't even know why you would have argon gas where you would be storing the oxygen tanks. How could you even have them near each other? The 100-bed hospital's operating and delivery rooms had been closed for three days while investigators determined what killed a sergeant and a premature infant and left the wife of another Army sergeant near death. It is apparent that we were supplied argon in place of oxygen in a tank normally used for oxygen, said Colonel Edward M. Johnson, a doctor and the commander at the hospital. Subsequent administration of argon to the patients resulted in suffocation. The patient who lapsed into a coma was Charlotte Huddleston, and she did end up dying the following day from a heart attack. She was only 28 at the time. A person wrote in 2019 on the Internet that, Inside this hospital, a ghost named Charlotte lives. She is not hostile or friendly. There's a video of Charlotte appearing on YouTube. This is a real story, and Charlotte is real. However, do not look for Charlotte because she does not like to be hunted or filmed. And apparently, Charlotte the ghost really likes to mess with the lights. So we have our first ghost here on the base. What a horrible thing to have happen. These people are going into surgery and you put the thing over their mouth and all of a sudden they're like, these people are going into cardiac arrest. What's happening? Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. There are parts of Fort McClellan that are like a ghost town. And that is an appropriate term because Charlotte is not the only spirit here. There are lots of spirits that seem to surround the area at Fort McClellan. Visitors to the area have reported some strange sights including shadowy figures, apparitions, and odd lights. Others have felt cold spots and seen doors closing by themselves. Footsteps have also been heard in the old Patton building. The most frequently seen ghost is the spirit of a soldier who committed suicide in one of the lodging buildings by hanging himself. He is known to be a full apparition or a dark shadow figure always standing by the water fountain on the top floor of the building. He has been seen by employees and his death does have documentation. Another spirit here is one belonging to a young girl who is wearing an old-fashioned white nightgown, and she likes to wander around the grounds after dark. The most haunted location on the base is around Buckner Circle. Buckner Circle is the street where all of the officer mansions were located. These homes have a very high turnover rate. One of those places was the home of Jim and Sandra Coxwell, who moved into their house in 2005. So this is pretty recent. During their first night in the house, they had a weird experience and a type of bizarre light show. Sandra said there was a circle of crystals that dropped down from the ceiling and it was just spiraling, spiraling, and spiraling. We didn't know what that was. We heard stories about ghosts and so we just assumed that was the ghost saying hello. I've never heard anything like that, looking like crystals spiraling down. Well, you know, the first thing that popped into my mind was when we were at McPike Mansion and there was that circulating purple haze but there were like little starbursts that were occurring within that purple haze and they were spinning around that's what i saw oh see i saw like the one which was like the central one that it seemed to spiral out from i didn't see the other ones this kind of seems similar to when we were in the Velisca axe murder house and we're seeing those white streaks that were kind of going across the ceiling yeah but yeah to have something that looked like crystals spiraling down it just goes to show if this was something paranormal and a spirit trying to manifest, they have some very interesting ways in which to do that. Definitely. Our listener, Jules, who suggested this location, wrote, 
The spirits that Peyton and I are most familiar with are the German POWs. They actually constructed the rock cottages as part of their imprisonment while at the fort. On base families have lived in these cottages. I've heard whispering in German. I was an opera major in college, so it was pretty easy to recognize the voice was speaking German. When Peyton was one and a half, I walked in to check on him and he was fully engaging in a conversation and pointing at someone I couldn't see. I've seen doors open and close and the TV turn on and off. I always felt a presence with me more than anything. As we know, these kids are able to see things that we can't see. He clearly was engaging in a conversation with something. What I find fascinating about this is that she heard whispering in German. So you've got these German POWs. Were they multilingual? Was Peyton able to understand what was being said? Because if he's having a conversation back, I mean, I don't know how much he could say at one and a half, but there had to be something in English that he was understanding, I would think. I would imagine so. Then I found these on a website. This is from 2016. In September of 1991, I was undergoing basic training at Fort McClellan, Alabama. Our platoon company was outside conducting PT at approximately 6 or 7 p.m. I clearly saw a younger woman in a white tattered dress move across a field directly in front of us. She was semi-transparent and was no more than 100 feet away. One distinct fact that I remember is that the woman was moving but had no legs or feet. It was the kind of thing that you shake your head at and keep going. Well, I don't know if you would just shake your head and keep going. Ah, it's nothing. <laughs> I never asked or told anyone while I was there because I was scared of what they would say, especially during basic training. Oh, can you imagine the harassing? Oh, heck yeah. I share this story often with friends and family. It was the one and only time that I've ever experienced anything like that. And we've seen other people talking about a young girl in a white dress. So is this Our Lady in White? And was she just so transparent that you couldn't see the legs or feet? Did she possibly not have them? We know we hear a lot, too. And the Haunted Mansion pays homage to this. You'll see some of the ghosts that they have in there don't have any feet because right. people sometimes don't see feet with ghosts or people were cut down to size to be put in their coffins and that meant their feet were lopped off. This is true. And then from 2019, my friends and I come to Fort McClellan to take pictures. We've had previous experiences here. Once we heard the voice of a woman. Today, while taking pics there... The door behind us squeaked open, and there was not the slightest breeze out. So we left because we got creeped out and moved on to another spot. At that spot, almost as soon as we got out of the car, we heard things falling from higher levels of the building. Creepy. And then Anonymous wrote in 2021, On September 18, 1972, while attending BASIC, I woke up to go out to the latrine at midnight. It was a thunder and lightning storm that night. I heard a strange sound like someone was singing. I could not figure out where it was coming from. Then I saw a white figure standing at the end of the hall. I think it was looking at me. Then it disappeared into the darkness. I decided to get the hell back in bed. Probably didn't have to pee anymore either. Did you check the floor underneath you? Oh, dear. I remember this because I kept a journal. I was in Alpha Company, 2nd Battalion. Whatever building that was back then. As we've said before, it's always great when our listeners have actually had experiences at these locations that we share. Did Jules and her spooktacular toddler really experience ghostly activity? Is Fort McClellan haunted? That is for you to decide. Well, thank you so much, Jules, for recommending this one to us. She's recommended another place, too, that we'll be doing up here pretty soon. Excellent. We want you guys to check out our website at historyghostbump.com. And if you want to send us some feedback, you can do that at historyghostbump at gmail.com. Kelly, as we announced on the last podcast, we have the Flash Fiction Contest for 2021 going on right now. The deadline is September 6th, 2021, midnight Eastern Time. 
Your word limit is a thousand. If you go over a tad, that's okay, but you want to keep it pretty tight because that's why it's flash fiction. And your subject should be creepy or scary, some kind of ghost story type material. Try to keep it at a lower R rating, something you wouldn't mind your teenagers reading. Send it to us at historyghostbump at gmail.com. And Kelly, I think we already have about seven or eight entries. I know. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's great. And there's prizes. We'll be giving medals to the top three. You get shirts and logo gear, all that great stuff. And we also read some of the runners up. So get to writing. It's a chance to be a star. And if for nothing else, it's to celebrate seven years of History Goes Bump. Yes, indeed. Hard to believe that I've kept this going that long. A lot of people pod fade within a year or two, but... You're a rock star. (laughs) Thank you very much for you guys listening to this episode. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye. And Kiwi. And Kiwi, yes. (laughs) This episode has been brought to you by our executive producers. Join me in the cemetery by becoming an executive producer. You can join on Patreon or PayPal. Check out the Support the Show tab on the website for more information. McClellan is located in Aniston. Aniston? Is Aniston. It, <laughs> it is Aniston. I want to add an accent to everything today. And apparently. that's not even a southern <laughs> accent, so I'm not quite sure what you were doing there. <laughs> Who knows? Put my own special twirl on it like tourism. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to start calling it the Kelly accent. There you go. Fort McClellan is located in Aniston, Alabama. <clears throat> it's Alabama. <laughs> Furnace number one was started in 1873. 1873. Numbers. <laughs> the brown hermitite woodstock ores. Per- oh, what did I say? Hermitite? Hermitite. hermitite. I'm, I'm making up my own. What would that be? A mineral or something? Hermitite. <laughs> it's one of my favorite stones. Is it really? It is. Oh. That and tiger's eye. Well, and amethyst. I, I have a few. And citrine. What does hematite look like? Um, those are the little magnetic rocks. Oh. When you go to the rock shop, you can. Oh yeah, they're all connected together. Sure, if you try to pick them up. Okay, neat. I didn't know they came in brown. I just thought they were black or no, silver looking, gray they, looking. They are. Oh, they are brown. No, no, no. They're well. I don't know. I guess it comes in brown because you said brown. Which I did. That's what I'll the research to, said. I'll have to go to Google for that one. I've okay. only seen them with the the yeah. metallic look to them. Exactly. There were other troops here as well, including the 157th Depot br- Depot Brigade. Br- brigade. It's a brigade. <laughs> oh, I wanted to say it with a P. It's just not coming out of my mouth right. Brigade. D of the Civilian Conservation Corps. Corps. Now you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> you are giving oh, me a hard time. I know. <laughs> At that spot, almost as soon as... 
Huey! At that sp- <laughs> <laughs> He's talking back at you. <laughs> do I need to come out there and clip your nails? <laughs> I'll do it. I'll get your nails. Do you need a spray bottle? <laughs> I'll do it. Such a mouthy little thing. <laughs> he's this is, to- this he's, is what we have to endure all the time. He's totally sassing you right now. He is. He needs a timeout. Kiwi, you're in timeout. <laughs> <laughs> we only have a few more minutes. Can you just be quiet? Zip it.